Hey, lover. Hey, lover. Awaken from your slumber. <laughs> I wasn't sleeping. <laughs> I was just resting my eyes. <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah? Feeling renewed. Yeah? Nothing like a nice bout of COVID to make you feel like you're really alive. Yeah, it's true. It was a... Uh, you have to show your body a lot of patience because we don't know how we got it and we didn't know when it was going to end. You didn't even get it, Sean. I didn't. You never even tested positive. I felt embarrassed. I was like, I'm so weak. I don't even know how to explain that. I was in everyone in, in the house we live in had it. I was with four people that uh, had COVID and were exercising no precautions whatsoever, including myself. I didn't exercise any precautions. I said, if we're going to get it, let's just do this fucking thing. No, that's what I said. As soon as it was in the house, I was like, let's just get it sooner than later so we're on the other side of it. And you were like, I don't know. I don't really want it. I get, I get such bad headaches. Yeah. And I think I just like embraced the getting it and you had a little bit more of a protection up. And you're like, I'm, I don't need this thing. Yeah. I don't. I literally don't know how it's even possible. We don't even know how this thing works. We were just, it's so funny. We were talking with... um. DJ preschool Larry the other day who yeah. we've had on the podcast great podcast intercommunalism and anyway, he's 73 years old he's 73 years old every weekend he's out DJing with young kids and everything and just in the mix and everyone's out there and he uh says he still hasn't gotten it I'm like oh, man this was my third time getting it yeah so I don't know yeah, he must have a, a protective Merkaba over him following him around. Because he, he really is, like, right now, my uh, my human talisman for, like, love. He's so bright and so loving. And uh, maybe that has something to do with it. There's a purity to his being. Yeah, no, and I think there's also something about it running through the city so quick. That it's almost like if people are out, it's because they don't have it rather than... Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. We're up here in the burbs where kids are spreading it around. Yeah. I was just doing deep breathing. Once, I mean, literally once you had it, I was like, I'm embracing this. Like, I don't care. I have it too. I, even though I didn't test positive, I was like, I, I have it too. I'm just going to treat it like that. But it couldn't have come at a more perfect time, to tell you the truth. Not that there's a great time to uh, get completely sick and have to be out of it for two weeks, but... It allowed us to move some energy. No, I, I mean, there's nothing nothing like getting humbled and then being like, I got this. The first day I started to feel normal again. I've never done so much in one day. Yeah. You know, but it was great. I mean, we, we had a, last week was amazing because we put out family trip, if you haven't seen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we the, put out our short film, The Family Trip. It's a pilot episode of a series called Family Trip that uh we'd love to do more of um but this was like a proof of concept with um an incredible family and every time i watch it i cry and it i mean it was a very powerful profound moment of healing within a three generation family unit and highly recommend it if you haven't seen it yet they took molly yes they took molly mdma yep yeah and i think as Michaela, the facilitator, says in the film, is um, MDMA allows uh, a l healing to happen because you're not you're able to express the authentic self without fear, and you're also able to receive other people's authentic self. 
Yeah. And I feel like we've really experienced that within our relationship too. the healing power of that and like saying things to each other. Um, that could be triggering to hear and you could feel self-conscious about saying it or bringing it up. But when there's like this safe, loving container, you can kind of move through energy. Yeah. Yeah. It was, and that was even, I don't know, in a weird way. I don't think that I made that thinking it would be seen. It kind of, it, it really, I, I went into that making a, a proof of concept so we could shop it around to a bunch of networks and then they would give us money to go really do it. Because we didn't have a lot of resources to make that. No, at it's kind of surprising we pulled it off. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a miracle that 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 it came out and it came out pretty good. And um, yeah, we shopped it around. Everyone said no fucking way. And they didn't say that. They were like, "It's great, but we're really looking for dating stuff right now, or we're looking for." Th- they have. They these were just scared. Hands. They were just they're they're scared. That's fine. It's illegal, after all. So, <laughs> um, but it was important to me. Um, after the generosity of that family and actually like the palpable love that we captured and the healing that we captured that people see it. So, uh, you cannot be as, not be so scared. I don't know, but just kind of demystify these drugs and these experiences a little bit. Cause, uh, I think there's a lot of, um, I don't know. There's just a lot of misinformation out there and it's, it's done on purpose. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, one of these drugs that is actually pretty accessible and can kind of reprogram your patterns, which is not many drugs do that. You know, we have all these anti-anxiety meds or antidepressants, and I'm not saying that they don't work, but they don't reprogram you. Yeah. You have to stay on the drugs. Yeah. And this is, I think that's why, whether it's MDMA or mushrooms or ayahuasca or DMT, like things that can help with your neuroplasticity changing towards um, out of the fight or flight response, you know, an opportunity for experiencing and witnessing trauma you've gone through and kind of having a different relationship for, towards it with your body. Mm. You know, the whole idea being the body keeps the score and that we, we store all these traumas, even if we're not intellectually thinking about them, they're in our cells. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how we ended up editing it down to 26 minutes. I mean, their story is so rich and there's so much more there. But I mean, this is like a little glimpse at part of their story. Yeah, there was a 44 minute version where I was like, well, there it is. I don't know how I could make this any shorter. And you know, more, uh, digestible and palatable. And then you just, you know, you leave the edit room for a minute and take a deep breath and say, all right, it's time to take a machete to this. <laughs> like we gotta, we gotta guess, get it down to its bare essentials. And the reason it's 26 minutes is because if this were going to be bought, I would imagine it would be a half hour show. So that's how with commercials, that's how long it would come out to be. And I, I think we did a pretty good job. I think we got across what we wanted to get across and, uh, the family really benefited from it and yeah it's a it's i think it's um this kind of healing work is like a first step and that's what i'm like from talking to Lacey and michelle it's like always a first step like we're it's kind of cool to just be like oh look it's not like a one-stop shop drug where you're just like oh all my problems are solved like families have problems there are interrelational oh, yeah. dynamic inter uh relational dynamics that are run very deep 
but when you do this kind of work with your family or with your partner or someone you care about or even with yourself, you set a high watermark for how you want to relate to your, each other, yeah. how you want to relate to yourself, what's possible, what how good it feels to love and be loved. Mm. And then it kind of makes when you're in fear and when you're in doubt and when you're angry, like seems so not only trivial, trivial, ridiculous and harmful. Yeah. You know, you can, you kind of see like, Oh, expansive love, calm, peace. Like that is, that's where the good stuff is. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, when it comes down to it, it feels like we are love. That's, that's it. That's it. That's what we are. That's what nature is. That's what the universe is. We are love. And we get, we, it's, it's almost like we come down here to learn how to love more and deeper. And um, we're going to have to take on a lot of harsh lessons in order to kind of acquire that knowledge. Mm. But I feel like some of these drugs provide a glimpse at that, um, the, the kingdom of love that resides inside of you that you are it gives a glimpse at it especially for people in hyper capitalist america uh i don't know how else you can do that inner work with, given how much you have to do to survive and get by it's really hard to carve out time to have uh and, and have the discipline to do inner work and it actually have some sort of impact on your life. So I feel like what normally might take months, if not years of therapy could be realized in a moment. Now it takes a lot of discipline, I think, afterwards to kind of keep maybe that vibration therapy going. And yeah. Oh, yeah. Integration, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. To continue to unpack. Yeah. And, and also like uh, form a foundation for how you want to live. And put the work into how you can have the idea on a substance of how you want your life to be. But integrating that into an everyday practice is its own journey. Yeah, absolutely. And doing what makes sense for you. Like, how many how many ideas have we had for our films or the podcast or whatever on substances? It's not like we make those things on the substance. You, you get the idea. You you know, we, we got a, a glimpse of our deepest self. And there's and the- tons of creativity and ideas there. Yeah, and what's important? We've had so many of our best business meetings on mushrooms or whatever. Yeah, it is where we're like, mushrooms in particular. Yeah, um, we should do it more often, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it usually when we have great uh, business insights on mushrooms, it's so matter of fact. It's like oh duh. It's like yeah, it's like oh yeah, and also this, and it usually for me at least it only works when we uh, flood dosed ourselves. It's you know, microdosing, it, it's all fun and games to me. It's kind of just like, oh, this is going to be a good day. It's not where you're going to get the the deepest insights. So for me, the deepest insights come from putting myself through hell by taking too many mushrooms. And then once it starts smoothing out a little bit, gazing into the eyes of my lover <laughs> and realizing what we need to do to keep this thing going. Yeah, on the come down. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I've, I've definitely had, I don't know if I'd call it a, it's, there's just like a microdose, but then there's like a mini dose, like a one gram, two gram yeah, thing yeah. that I feel like I've had some very... The meta dose, we call that. Yeah, powerful insights on um, just in like realizations about, you know, little kinks in the hose, as you say. Mm. Um, anyway, this, I mean, 
psychedelics have been so impactful for us and I think there's a, still a lot of fear around them as I mean as is appropriate like mm-hmm. there's a lot of unknown there's a lot of mystery I'm not saying like be fearless of you know there's obviously any sort of substance or drug you should be very well researched and do safe settings and stuff like that but um there's still a lot of that I think the beauty of what we want to do and what we did with the family trip is kind of show that it's not as druggy as people may think it is like ecstasy like oh it's uh, people clubbing and sweating and dying and all this stuff you know like if you take the base root of this drug it's actually like a very chill mellow experience yeah you got to breathe into that though Mm -hmm. because it, it does it lights you up and I think that the reason that culturally like our vision of this stuff is like someone sweating in in a club and all that is because that's by design to amplify kind of, you know, the most like ridiculous part of things to make it seem a certain way. So people don't want to go towards it because it's a threat to every system that we live under right now that people get free Mm -hmm. and start living and loving. It's a major threat. It's a major threat to, uh, people's profit margins so you have to make everyone that smokes pot look like a couch potato and you have to make anyone that takes mdma into an out of control raver and you have to make every acid head into uh just like the worst wook you've ever seen like that you know yeah meanwhile mdma therapy has been happening for decades upon decades in like the pacific northwest or northern california where people have been turned on to this as like a very powerful tool for couples therapy or, yeah. you know, anything like that. I think that the trouble comes and, uh, you know, it's not always the case, but the trouble comes when, uh, it becomes a, a way of being is, is, you know, relying on the substance, deifying the substances. Cause, uh, yeah, I don't think that they're always the answer to everyone's prayers. Uh, you know, I, I want to say that. I want to make that clear. I think a lot of substances come along and they can feel like they're saving the day. How many, I mean, look, when you first discovered alcohol, didn't it feel so freeing? Mm-hmm. Didn't it feel like, wow, what the fuck? What is this world? Wow, I, I, this is not like, this isn't what life isn't what I thought it is. Mm-hmm. So I, I think when substances first come along, you can get kind of, get hypnotized by them a little bit and think, I don't have to do the work. This thing's going to do it for me. Totally. Yeah. We can give our power away. Mm. And I think the important thing that is to remember is that the human ego is a lot more powerful than whether it's plant spirits or anything. It's like, no, it's not going to do the work for you. And, uh, your your ego definitely still has a seat at the table. <laughs> well, your ego wants to. It, your ego is seeking comfort, and if all the if all the comfort it's known is a shitty story about you, it's going to figure out how to settle back into that. The ego wants something it's comfortable with. It wants a recognizable pattern. The heart couldn't be couldn't give a shit about any of that stuff. Your soul couldn't give a shit about any of that stuff. It uh, has ideas for you and it's it's awaiting, it's awakening and it's freeing. But the ego is a little bit tricky. You know, I think ego death is a huge thing that you hear in the psychedelic community. Like uh, a lot of people seeking ego death, which to me is kind of crazy. I mean, I don't even know. Have you ever had ego death? 
I've had moments of not knowing who the hell I am. Yeah, well, okay, then you've had it. You've probably had it more than I have. I don't. I I haven't really gotten that confused. There's always a like kind of a voice in there that knows what's going on and is guiding me through things. And um, uh, you know, I've I've been way too high, but I don't think I've ever experienced like a complete shattering of you know that thing nor do i seek that what i seek to do is to train that thing i've I've talked about this before i think that the ego is kind of like a like a a puppy it's it's like it's it's very excitable it's jumping around it's galping at everything it's reacting to everything and as it gets old it gets a little less reactive but if you're not training it along the way it's going to become a nightmare for you and everyone around you so you want to learn how to train that thing because it can actually be a man's best friend it can really help you but you got to learn how to train it i think killing it over and over and over again i don't know where that's getting you because when it comes when it comes back it's going to come raging back with a vengeance and um i think there's just a way to smooth out that process a little bit that's what meditation is about obviously and most practices that are spiritual uh wonderful slave horrible master yeah. Sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But um damn, I was I was I was trying to can't remember. I had something, but whatever. Do you want me to let you think it back? No, I don't care. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on out. Yeah. We're just getting we're just coming out of the brain fog of being sick for two weeks and each day feeling and looking the same and just kind of another day type of feeling and like what is life and questioning those things and we that stuff challenges me that that is the deep like ego training that a guy like me needs because i think that i seek novelty and excitement and it's been cool for me it's been healthy i think it's made our life exciting it's, we've had a lot of just different kinds of memories with different people and uh when you're under the weather and you really can't do anything and you just fall into this cycle of just every day looking and feeling exactly the same it's terrifying you know and my ego is screaming out for for more it wants stimulation it wants something different it it just it yearns for something and uh so I'm kind of coming out of that right now. And we went to a party the other night and it was good. I didn't feel super social though. Like I I felt like this feels good to just kind of be around it and witness it, but I wasn't yet ready to like jump into the deep end with people. Meaning dance around like a fool. (laughs) Just didn't feel like it was time yet. It wasn't time yet. Yeah. Yeah. That's what the summer's for. We're warming back up. Yeah. Yeah. Even though you weren't like, didn't have covid or whatever never tested positive you definitely like were under the weather with me which is kind of interesting like you had headaches and stuff like that so maybe the same thing happens when you get your period yeah yeah Yeah, yesterday i had it hard and you just like slept all day and i was like i was like why am i tired what the heck is going on right now like i i literally i it's so weird it's like we're we're too interconnected that like literally you you have something that only your body could do and i'm feeling it it's crazy. 
I, you know, and I kind of love that stuff and I love becoming aware of it and like kind of getting into the super like subtle fields and nuanced uh, energies of life that I think I've spent the last 10, 12, 15, 20 years overstimulating and not really kind of being in touch with. And I'm trying to smooth it out. <laughs> You're doing great. That's what my sobriety journey is about right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We have a friend that is uh, in the deep throes of alcoholism. Like, he says he, he, he hasn't even taken a shower in three months and he's just like always drinking he wakes up and he starts drinking and he's just uh really 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 in a bad place and it's it's crazy it's it doesn't it always seem to be the case that like when he's not um caught up in that cycle that he's like one of the brightest most loving well you said the other night you were like sometimes people are too smart for their own good well, they are. I mean, like, I, I, I don't know. I hate to say it. Like, a lot of the people that I know that have really struggled with alcoholism in particular are, like, borderline geniuses. They're, like... It, Alan Watts was an alcoholic. Didn't he die of alcoholism or something? Yeah, not technically, but it didn't... It definitely didn't help, but... Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I have an uncle that died from alcoholism. I have an aunt that died from alcoholism. And these aren't different sides of my, my parents' family. And uh, many friends, and it's just a terrible way to go out. But I think what they all had in common was like, um, uh, like, just existential dread from like knowing too much. I don't know <laughs> from like being like too aware, and just kind of not willing to put in the real world work that you have to do to kind of smooth out those edges. And it is a really tough thing to bear witness to, and our friend that's going through this right now it's it's a tough case because it's like you know the the prescription is like okay detox rehab you know maybe a longer rehab this this time maybe we'll do six months rehab maybe we'll do a six month halfway house sober living maybe it'll be even years or whatever it doesn't it doesn't work I don't know. It's just like it doesn't work for everybody. It's it's I think we've become so individuated and so splintered and so stuck in our own reality tunnels that it's like we're all collectively like missing the point of life. Mm. And we make it about all these other things other than love and loving each other and being there for each other and supporting each other and learning how to love deeper and nothing there's no amount of rehabs or substances or molly or lsd or mushrooms that is going to replace having friends and having community and the accountability that comes along with that yeah and doing that stuff without that stuff you can really be flowing out in the vast ocean yeah yeah. A little untethered. And and all society echoes back to you all the time is like, yeah, just work harder, it, you know, collect more things, collect more experiences, uh, stack chips, save up. And it's for people that are really smart, it's not that that doesn't replace true purpose, because I think like our heart knows what our true purpose is. And we know what we should be doing here and we know what we need to be doing here. But we distract ourselves with all that other stuff. I know because I'm guilty of it. 
Well, there's the distraction, but then there's also like wanting all of your time. Like there's a reason <laughs> rent and groceries like is 70, 80, 90% of your salary, you know, yeah. like basic, you're working to survive. You have, you have, you're paying to live here, mm. you know, um, you're dying to live. Mm-hmm. It's sad. It's, and it's a sad realization. And I feel like when people have that realization, deep down and they're not in their spiritual practices that shit will eat you alive do you know what i mean like it, it's it's the stuff that alcoholism is made of well there's a seed of resentment that would be hard to shake yeah i you know that's what i'm saying it's a really tough thing to kind of square with and um you know all these substances all they're doing is is they're offering temporary relief by temporarily shutting off access to those feelings. They're not dealing with them. They're sweeping stuff under the carpet. There's only so much you could sweep under the carpet carpet before it comes rotting out. There's only so many times you can do that and so much of that you can do before it before you're fucking full of shit. Really. That's what it becomes. You become fucking full of shit and you become a shell of yourself and you're up shit's creek with a turd for a paddle. I don't know what else to say. Like that that's it's it's well not not to um throw anyone under the bus i was gonna like throw a country under the bus but you know it'd be our country yeah 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 but there's i was also gonna throw like the uk like under the bus of Mm -hmm. like this like very proper Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know very appropriate very proper very considerate please and thank you and yes of course and yes they all know how to wait in line perfectly somehow yeah no there's but then there's like you think of in the family units where it's like, okay, we have to be so proper and that we can't talk about the bad stuff. Yeah. Like to be a good person, you have to not make anyone else feel uncomfortable or say anything that would make anyone uncomfortable. So that means when there's like real mud in a family unit that it just gets like, I'm not sorry to throw the UK into the bus. I just think of them as like the, um, kind of the dark side of like this British properness, you yeah. know, like, yeah, totally. There is a know. dark side to it, but it, you know, every country has it. Yeah. Um, yeah, you end up just, uh, not being real and the cost of not being real with the people you love is like, it's too much. Mm. Um, it's too much. And then it, like you're saying it rots. You can, you can rot because then there's like a resentment that can build or if you don't address an issue, it becomes a, little molehill becomes a mountain oh yeah it becomes a tumor that just grows with time and uh it's a terrible thing to bear witness to and it's a subtle thing too sometimes it takes years before you realize like oh damn so and so really got off track and now they're a complete mess and i don't even know where to begin to try to help them and that's kind of the situation we're in with our friend it's just like i don't know where to begin like i've given him mushrooms i've given him pot i've offered him work like i i just like it, it, i i don't know what to do other than say like damn like most americans you got caught up in survival and you didn't build like a, a community or like a like a group of friends or you know that was based on on something real and it gets really haunting and scary as you get older. This guy's in his fifties, probably in his mid to late fifties. And it's, uh, it's just so, it's so sad. And it's so sad. And he's just like, 
I, I think that's why our suicide rates are through the roof. And I think that's why, uh, you know, depression and anxiety medication is such a huge business here. It's because it's completely overwhelming and we've been cut off from each other and um, resentful of each other because of it. Well, when you work so hard, too, you, you when the time that you do have free, you're just recovering, you know? Yeah. It's not. But I, I do. It does seem to uh, if we had that time to just be rather than, you know, the time to just witness and, you know, it'd be a radically oh, different yeah. society. Yeah. You know, if we were allotted that, you know, even a three day weekend yeah. in this country, you know. Yeah. Or, and one of the days is mandatory silence. <laughs> Well, then you wouldn't like that. No, I it's know. So funny. It's self-imposed <laughs> silence, mandatory self-imposed silence is uh, a radical act. You wouldn't like it as a rule, though. Oh, hell like, no. It's no, like no, as I'm soon kidding. as, it's, it's so funny to me, because as soon as weed has like become like almost pretty much federally legal, we're on the verge of that, it yeah, feels yeah. like. You're like, I don't want to smoke anymore. Or like, you know what I mean? It's just funny. You're like, as soon <laughs> you liked it when you were more of a bad boy. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I'm an outlaw. That's my bigger theory about it. Yeah. If, if I can't be an outlaw, then I'm not interested in smoking your thing. But You still love weed. I'm just... You know. I do. I do. I, I honestly would never talk shit about it. I think it it saved my life, to tell you the truth. It really did. I, I think um, when I discovered it and integrated it, it uh, it showed me who I was in a deeper way. It like it really helped get rid of um, anxieties and give me an appetite and like it helped me sleep and it gave me an appetite and those things are like essential for your brain function so it helped like restore some stuff that I think had just been lying dormant I don't even know how I was going through the world before I found it because it gave me temporary chemical relief from uh, grief and anxiety from growing up the way I grew up and the losses and just the continued chaos of my family yeah. my life. Yeah. I do yeah. like your idea. Maybe not mandatory silence, but more silence, you know, I do yeah. like, I do like that call, you know, yeah. Um, self-imposed. I, I, if you're an artist, I mean, I can only speak to, you know, the path I've chosen as an artist. Uh, you need time. You really need time to shut the fuck up. You need time to just listen without any distractions, and without any outside stimulation. And witness, you know. I feel yeah. like you, you could be like, oh, man, there's nothing to do. But then you can go for a walk and be like, wow, like, look at how sparkly the snow is. Remember, you know, we can just, there's like little things that you can just appreciate and just be like so mesmerized by. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... We've talked about this before, but I just was listening to a lecture the other day, and uh, the guy put it back in these terms, and I, it just reminded me of something we used to say about like how your spiritual practice practice should be sensual, like erotic, passionate, the way that you like the way we approach our love for each other, and our sex, and the passion we have for each other. That's the energy that your spiritual life deserves. Otherwise, it won't take. Otherwise, you won't you won't stick with it. It needs to feel the level of devotion that we have towards each other. That's the only example I can I have in my life. The the level of devotion that we have towards 
uh, making art and continuing to be artists. Like we need to apply that to our spiritual practices. And I think we do a pretty good job of doing that. And, you know, part of it's not judging when it ebbs and flows and you kind of like move away from it for a little bit and then you kind of come back home. But if you're not bringing that level to it, it's not going to go and it's not going to pay the dividends that it should. Well, I think right away when I started saying that, you were like, well, how does that look? Oh my goodness, are, you having trees. Se- are you having sex with, with trees and animals in the snow? I didn't say What are we talking about? You're taking this so goddamn literally. I'm a very literal ju- person. I know, I know you are. I know. It's cute. It's, it makes me have to settle down and not, no, but not be sarcastic. <laughs> I know what you mean, though. Like, there's, in like a sexual partnership, there's a goal of um, ecstatic union or an orgasm. An ecstatic release an ecstatic release and you can have that kind of goal and you can hit those sort of highs with your relationship with nature. That's not, you know, rubbing your genitals against a tree, but that it's just like being seduced. Sorry. I said that. I just think it's funny. It is. Um, but it can be just like the, just visual mesmerization. I'm mesmerized. Like I'm mesmerized by the snow. I'm mesmerized by the lichen. I'm mesmerized by the flowers. I'm just like, Whoa. It just like takes allowing nature to take your breath away yeah and people are nature and people's art and creations they are nature and they're part of all that and yeah i think uh you know that that makes sense to me because it gives me something to work with it gives me the high water mark to work with and you know i i can easily and and i do get like that and it's and i feel like if you can't feel and see the divine in everything in every in every win, but also every loss, every folly, every mistake in between, every fuck up. If you can't feel and see the divine in it, just kind of bring that energy back into it. Apply that and you'll watch things blossom because you'll be just more mesmerized by by life. And who cares if it's not real? You know? Well, who cares? Well, that's what I've always... It's making your life better. That's what mushrooms gave me. It was like I had this like my world broke in half because I was like, it's not real. And then... I came back together being like, well, the lo- it's real enough for me, man. Like yeah. the experience of loving someone and being loved and feeling love in this life and the inter, the interest net of love, like that's enough. Even if, if it's all r- fake and not real and just a delusion, yeah. like, and there's really nothing here, but it it's worth that feeling. Yeah. That is real enough. You took five grams of mushrooms and it like kind of, it reset your ego a little bit and put you back in almost like a childlike wonder for the world. And before the suspicion and paranoia and doubt caught up to you, you were able to implement some practices and the discipline of keeping those practices is kind of what our art is imbued with now, I think for both of us. Yeah. Who was saying the other day that like there's, you can be childlike, but that doesn't mean you're immature. Billy strings. Oh Yeah. Yeah. That was nice. I appreciate that because that's what it feels like where we're where we've been headed as as a, a relationship, what we've wanted and what the high water mark that we like is like the wonderment, the excitement, the the childlike wonder, the beauty, the excitement, the endless possibilities. But that doesn't mean you're imma- an immature child. No, I don't, I, if we were immature, we couldn't make films that honor that. That's all we're trying to do. I mean, documentary is one of our spiritual pro- practices. It's uh, 
it's chasing the muse around this goddamn country <laughs> and finding pockets of light where nobody thinks they would exist and they are there and uh, amplifying that so other people can feel it. And it kind of, it coaxes me into a way of thinking of don't write things off. Don't write people off because they will shock you because watch all of our films. These, the people, these people will shock you. And if, and if you had more context of how we found that person or how they landed in our life where they ended up on camera, it would shock you. These are small miracles that these things even exist, that these people said these things at this time and connected with us. And that's what keeps me a true believer. And that's what keeps my, my perfect faith. Yeah. And when I lose it, I just, all I have to do is like, look at one of our pieces of art and it reminds me. Well, uh, yeah, I was talking. It's about like that. looking into the eyes of the divine when I watch these things, and even if it's just for us, even if I'm the only person that recognizes the small miracles about these things, it's fine. That's good enough for me. I don't care. We spent all our money doing it. It might as well serve some purpose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Talking to Lacey, who um, star of the family trip, mm -hmm. um, but I was talking to her yesterday, and she's like, "It just all happened so magically. Like, yeah, how we met her, how it ended up being." her family in this and how the timing was perfect for her family how i got connected with michaela and michaela was the perfect facilitator for this how they bonded what they were able to relate over like so many a series of little magical moments yeah and it kind of intimidates me kind of it not being picked up as a series i'm not saying I'm, i want to curse that it won't be but the idea of doing that again over and yeah, over and it's over just again. like the the amount and it's a big experience to be willing to share with the world and put out there and it's a, yeah, it's a, a lot, lot to ask of our subjects and it's a lot of stars to align and it's just a, it's a but it but for that reason it's like that much more magical like the the kids that the kids were in the house and we ended up doing at their house and that they came down and that they were watching on the monitor upstairs with us and they went down and like hugged their mom mom and grandma at the perfect time and it just like allowed this like deep healing to take place it's just yeah we just, i just feel very lucky that we got to be there and to capture that yeah you know? we're working on like a big corporate job right now and the, the question keeps coming up like well, well like what, well, what is it you even do you know they're, they're asking us that like what is it you even do and it's like it's hard for me to speak to in the terms that they want me to speak it you know what I mean? They're like, oh, you're just figuring out the perfect question to ask a person. It's like, no, I've spent 42 years becoming this person who uh, emanates open heartedness. And for some reason, people want to open up because I've been open with them. And it's a very even exchange and it's a beautiful thing. But uh, it, it, it's literally having that wild little puppy of your ego trained and to know when to say sit and that's all we did through this whole process for family trip to to come together the way it did. No egos flared up or got involved because if they did, they would question what the hell we're doing, why we're doing it, why we feel this is necessary. The you know, it would start to try to take way too much into account all the factors of legality, finances, uh privacy, all this stuff that people's egos just it, it's some something guided us through this process and that's the heart space and there's a way to access that and it's and it's actually very easy i think there's a lot of grifters out there and 
um, I'm already dealing with in the comments of this film, like spiritual Karens, you know, people who want to gatekeep and want to say, no, this is the only way to do it. It can only be this way and this and that. It's very simple. You don't need Molly. You don't need anything like that. You need your breath. You need your breath. And, and decide what for you the divine is. Decide what it is, what it feels like. Give it a name. And when you breathe, say its name. Say its name in. Say its name out. Say its name in. Say its name out. That'll drop you into the heart space. That'll train that wild puppy dog. And then you can do something with it. And that's where, like, I'm pretty sure all the art that really touches us and resonates on the deepest levels. Like, we watched Boyhood again the other night. Director's commentary version. (laughs) Where do you think that came from? That movie, nothing happens, really. It, It is unlike any movie. You're just bearing witness to a series of moments as a person gets older from first to 12th grade. And it is... it just cracks me open it just you know to to watch that like that dilation of time take place and they really shot it over 12 years and they cast this boy when he was six years old and they finished the film when he was 18 and it's uh an insane achievement that didn't that 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 didn't happen from uh chasing awards or money or accolades or you know anything like that the people involved, including the actors, couldn't talk about this. They were lending their likeness to something that wasn't going to see the light of day for 12 years. Who knows if they were even going to be alive or still in this business or able have to have parlayed it into anything by the time this came out. It just took a tremendous trust in, uh, in a vision, in love, in, in watching and allowing something to unfold that doesn't have all of the the pitfalls of that most movies have that try to get your attention it's just it's just hits on the heart space and that's it you can tell where the movie came from and i would say that about a lot of linklater's movies he's had some big misses but you know like he's always said he does one for him and one for them the ones for them you can feel it <laughs> cuz they're motivated by money maybe not for him he still wants to make a good movie but the reason he got that movie is because he was going to cooperate with a studio and with their vision. And he wasn't going to, you know, kick and scream and bitch and moan t- in order to get his vision out there. He just kind of allows it to happen. And that's why those movies just aren't, don't hit in the way that his other ones do. The, the Before Sunrise series, um, Dazed and Confused, Everybody Wants Some, Boyhood, Waking Slacker, Life. Waking Life. You know, they're incredible achievements. Suburbia, great one. But, you know, that that's what that's what I hope to do is I hope that we can make stuff that allow people to render out that division that, that vision of what the divine even is a little bit more. So you can put a name on it and say that's that's what that's what divinity is to me. And now I know now I know what it feels like and I kinda know what it looks like. And I know what it elicits in me and I'm going to give it a name and I'm going to say the Lord's name as I breathe. (laughs) Isn't that such a beautiful process? Isn't it such a humbling process? Isn't it such a simple process that you don't have to pay for? (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I I think that's why like uh, Americans need substances. Yeah. You know, we need we're such a material 
uh, culture that we need a material thing that we can conspire and it's consume. the only thing we would trust yeah we wouldn't we, we wouldn't trust yeah. <laughs> something that has been lying dormant in us this whole time because we haven't put faith in ourselves yeah we've put faith in the material and we've you know you, you de- we've deified billionaires can you imagine we're gonna look back at this insanity as, as, as we, like, are <laughs> as, you kidding me yeah we're gonna look back at this time period as we continue to evolve into aliens and achieve alienhood and be like yo there was a there was a, a time in this process where we were deifying billionaires and we were holding them in high regard and we were making excuses for people that had exploited each other and exploited uh, resources and labor in ways that are just unthinkable. And we put them on the highest levels of society. We worshiped them. I mean, I think we just We're going to look back at that and be like, what? I think we just have this idea that they like earned it rather than they like are exploiting, like that they're not like a king. You I know think, what I mean? I think people think Elon Musk is some sort of different thinker and, and this crazy inventor and this and that. You know, he's... He's just a very obvious example because he is such a dipshit, just such an epic, epically insecure dipshit that wants to control things and silence people with his money. And he hides behind free speech and he does all this fucking, I I mean, he's hypnotized people that are very close to me, cannot understand why anyone would ever say anything bad about Elon. He's carrying the light of human consciousness to other planets. He's going to help us. He's going to help us get to Mars. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? How many cult documentaries have we watched where that's what they're telling people? And then they have everyone yeah. kill, kill themselves in mass. <laughs> you know, like, come on. You're going to buy into what this guy who has, it's stolen wages. That's all it is. You, you have to look at it as for what it is. If somebody's accumulated that much money, it's stolen wages. It's inappropriate to to profit off of things that people need, to profit off of people's labor, to uh, even to bust just, unions. Even to just accumulate Ugh. that much wealth when there are people that are... Gross. It's just like to... Gross. I don't know. The idea of... Gross. I don't know. It's a very... Reptilian. ...comforting feeling to... Yeah. Stack chips. Yeah. What a joke. What a joke of a way to spend your life. And you know what? The the joke's on him because he's in hell. Yeah. He is in hell. And you can see by all the plastic surgeries having and all the stuff that he has to do to posture and make people think he's cool. And look at his fucking Twitter feed. I mean, the guy's in hell. The same way, like, look at Donald Trump and what he needs to spew and go about doing. He's in hell. You know, all these people, name it, Hillary Clinton. She has to call Bernie Sanders a misogynist and a Russian agent because he was speaking on behalf of the people and trying to get us health care. She's, she's, she's living in hell. She's living with a fucking pedophile in a hellscape of her own making. And, you know, we can all work our way out of that. But, man, there's some people that have really put themselves behind the eight ball and done it very publicly. And not only have they done that, they think they're saving the world in the process. It's insane. And that's what I'm saying. Like, that's why I just point out along the way on a spiritual path, like uh, no one knows anything that you don't know. And if you think you don't know it and that you need to externalize and go and buy something and do this and that, not that, not that there's people that can't help. We all of course can help each other, 
But people that are profiting off of trying to help you, they don't know anything you don't know. They don't know anything that you couldn't fucking figure out from sitting in silence and just listening to yourself. Because who the hell would know what's right for you other than you? You know, there's people that can encourage you and inspire you. Oh, but if they're charging, uh oh, please pause for one moment. Bear with us while we reset the video. The video cut off when we started talking shit about billionaires. (laughs) We mentioned uh, Elon Musk in our video cut out. (laughs) Oh, man. No coincidences, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But I I mean, I think that it's a. we're we're all seekers at heart and i think that what we're all seeking is like i said at the beginning we're trying to we're here to learn how to love and good christ is there going to be a lot of static and interference on that channel when you try to get on there and a lot of commercials so what you have to do is kind of learn to to really discern and know that no one knows anything besides you they, it's a very freeing thing. Yes. Yeah. I remember exactly. being so upset because you were so calm the first time we were doing psychedelics, and I was like, "You must know something I don't know," because I my life is being rocked right now. I've I had to I've I've, I've had to let go. I, I look. I didn't. I I'm a mess. But in terms of uh, yeah, you, been, your reality's crumbled had crumbled uh, yes, in other ways. Uh, yes, like exactly. you, your reality where you had three younger sisters and everybody's good for the most part like that crumbled and so you were like oh life can be taken like that yeah and so you already you already became comfortable with not having a ground to stand on almost i I had gone through the looking glass and and interestingly it was probably around the same age that you did like when how old were you when we took acid 25 Sounds right. Like 25, 26. That's when, that's when I lost my sister and my dad was in prison. Caitlin was having uncontrollable seizures and also like, hey, Sean, go start a life. Make a career. Get, just getting spit out into the real world, into the cold and unforgiving streets of New York City. Like, yeah, I, I had um, dealt with like earth shattering change and uh, I it didn't take acid. Yeah. No, it took well, it took acid for me and it just it felt like At least it was consensual. <laughs> it felt like, oh my god, I, why am I so uncomfortable? People must know something I don't know. There must be some deeper truth here that I don't know. And I guess I guess in a way it's true, but the deeper truth being like no one knows what the fuck's going on, you know? Yeah, there yeah. is no They're just reminders. I yeah. mean, like, look, I think there's a lot of people that know a lot of things, but all they can do is serve as reminders. And if it weren't just as simple as that, it wouldn't resonate with you. Mm. You know, there there's a, there's bullshit that like I'm saying, Elon Musk spews all this bullshit, Donald Trump spews all this bullshit, Hillary Clinton, you name it. They spew all this bullshit and it's just like it it doesn't resonate. You hear Ramdas say something, and I'm like, it resonates. It doesn't make me want to worship Ramdas. It obviously was something I knew. And yeah, I think that's like there's there's a process of kind of getting real with yourself and learning how to retrust yourself because our whole indoctrination through life and through school and everything is to externalize. Is that like everything you need is out there? And there's a boss. And there's a boss. Yeah, and get used to it. Mm-hmm. And so I think people shrink themselves and they they diminish their lives 
by renting it out to those bosses. And yeah, the other option is terrifying and it's hard and it comes with, uh, it's so hard. It's so hard. I don't know. It's harder than ever. It's crazy that it's, as our career has gone on and we've gotten more notoriety, it actually has become harder to keep our heads above water. That's how predatory and rigged our economy is, is that it's become harder for us <laughs> to do our thing. It's become harder. And like people are so, um, art has become such a disposable commodity along with everything else that, that people could watch something like family trip that we poured our fucking money into our heart and soul, the generous souls that were in it and choose to say something kind of really glib or silly about it or not share it. It's like, how do you expect people to keep making this kind of stuff if if when you see it and it resonates with you that you don't do anything about it? Like, you have to support. I hate that I, I have to preach that every now and then. And it's not just us. It's like anything that you love, any artist that you love or care about or is doing something that is helping you get more in touch with yourself, help them. Help them. Give them money. Give, give, uh, if you can't give them money, give them your attention, give them, uh, promote them, tell somebody, share something like it's hugely important in order to keep, uh, certain voices out there, not just rich people. Cause that is literally, we're the anomaly in our industry. We're an extreme anomaly that we don't come from money and we don't have anyone giving us money. And we're able to do this. But we are open to financiers if you have a lot of money. Oh, so. hell yeah. You know what I would love more than anything for Family Trip? Is that we got rejected by Netflix and Hulu and Apple. You name it. We got rejected by them all. That some fucking rich motherfucker comes along and is like, well, I have extra money. How much <laughs> will it take to make this series? Like, yeah, like, like we said, like we only want to make like six more episodes. I, I would love to see hundreds of episodes out there, but like I only want to make like six more. Well, just episodes think what we're this. able to do. Like, Lacey and her mom were able to come together in this moment and work with Michaela because we were there. You know, I think we could. It's like by documenting it, we could offer it to more families too. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I was going to say something else, but I forget. Do you want me to give you space to remember? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I don't. Look, we've... Uh, I think the reason we can sit here and talk about all this stuff is because we've been through the fucking... The psychedelic prism of permutations uh, of how to approach life and are we doing it right? And was it, does this feel right? And does that feel right? Does someone else know something? Do we need to rely on, should I have a job? Should I be relying on somebody else? You know, we, we just kind of like, we've, we've put ourselves through a lot by not getting jobs and, you know, remaining staunchly independent. And I think it's helped us grow. And I think it's helped us deal with grief in a different way. And I think it strengthened us. I just wish everyone had more time. I wish this technological revolution that we continue to be in was leading to everyone having more time and space to quiet down and consider and relate to other people. I wish that the robots taking over was uh, the beginning of universal basic income and of giving people more time and more agency over their life and their spirituality and their heart space and and that's the vision I'm going to hold. Yeah. And um, I mean, we'll have to get there eventually, but 
it's unfortunate that as people are becoming disposable commodities in the workforce that we just see the suicide rates going through the roof instead of it's like, oh, cool, the robots came here and they saved us all this work. Now we can just put that money back to the people and you can go like live your life, make your art, like live a life that feels like Burning Man. Cool. Like that, that's my vision. That's, that's my psychedelic socialist future that I hope for, for us. And maybe we'll get there. But right now it seems like we have diminished what human life means because we don't need them to work anymore. Yeah. We're such a, in such a predatory world that you not only have to like stack trips, but like a lot of chips to feel safe and secure in this world rather than, I mean, be reckless like we are and just invest every money, all the money you get back in art and just be like, well, it's better. We're on the Hunter S. Thompson timeline, I guess. Yeah, but look what it's done for us. Cause like I'm saying, like the only thing that can really permanently stave off the blues just the the deepest the shit that leads our friend to the place where he's such a down and out drunk the only shit that could save that stave that off is feeling like you're held in this universe and feeling like you're connected to other people and what is made up making all this art actually done for us well it hasn't made us a lot of money i know that but we have a lot of fucking friends we have a lot of and friends and i would never do it differently like no way i wouldn't trade one of those friends for the money that would make us uh, have the illusion of feeling comfortable. Well, and I also think if, uh, you know, a certain amount of money were to land in my bank account today, I already have like 10 ways I want to spend it. Like, It'd be gone. <laughs> just like, It'd be gone. You know, we I don't know, respect money in that way. I want to make, <laughs> I want to make so many movies, you know, yeah. like, there's so many movies that feel like I need to make. So, yeah. Um, well, because it just feels like we're honoring people's voices and there's voices that need to be heard that like somehow it seems like nobody else is going to get to those people. You know, we only want to amplify the voices of the most bombastic, rich, out of control, egocentric people. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy. How anyone is interested in anything fucking Kanye West is putting out anymore. Like, you know, like this is just another example. It's just, look, he's an artist and he's been through a lot, but he's a fucking billionaire. And, you know, like, like what is it? What is it he's doing that's so interesting that like we can't take the all the attention that we put on this motherfucker and put it towards a hundred other artists that really deserve that that might not ever get heard otherwise you know we're we're just our our attention is so steered in directions and it's crazy like you're talking about technology coming along and like saving the day and this and that and like it should allow for us to have a deeper inner life it should allow for more space and silence because look, we've dominated nature. We don't have to worry about certain things anymore. Wouldn't that put us in a position to become like deeply spiritual people? No, it put us in a position where the technology is now robbing us of our time and our attention. And we're like dangerously disconnected from nature where we don't like feel its pain and that. Oh, yeah. We can't hear it. We can't listen, you know. We're medicated like crazy. We're medicating with technology. Our our time has been completely commandeered. Any free moment we have has been completely spoken for. And most people are at their wits end with it. And the people Maybe we should be. And maybe that's kind absolutely. of what's like required for like the tide to really shift because what is it like three point five percent of the population has to like not consent for real change to take place? Really? I've never heard that before. I've heard something along good. those lines, but there's like a certain amount of people that are required, like 
There's a lot of there's a lot more people than there are billionaires. We need a lot more Wooks. We need an army of Wooks. Kind that, of. that just it just that just says to the powers that be like, oh, we don't care. Because I don't care about all that shit. I don't care about a fucking cyber truck. I don't. I don't care about you thinking you're saving humanity by exploiting labor. I, it's, yeah, like deinvest yeah. in everything that they want you to consume. Absolutely. I mean, like look at how powerful um, the boycotts can be. You know, yeah. and how scary companies can get, scared companies can get. Oh, yeah. Like a Starbucks or McDonald's or whatever. When you just stop yeah, buying their shit, fuck their shit. All of it is pandering anyway. I mean, like. Uh, I get so, oh, my God, we should talk about, I don't even, wish I could what? remember all the Super Bowl commercials. But if. Whoa. <laughs> Man, that is. It was dark. Dark, dark glimpse. Like, does the rest of the world see those commercials? Because it just almost makes me feel like it. The emperor has no clothes moment. Like, God damn, we're, we're blasting out not only this, this brutal game that everyone's focused on, but the commercials around it are such a dark look into what we're all about and where they're trying to steer us. And it's disturbing. And whoever has, has those commercials, they have too much money. Like yeah. that's just, you know, if you're like apartments.com, you're like, oh, we're in a renter's economy and we're being exploited. Oh, uh, this beer commercial oh, they're poisoning you. You can look into how poisonous these beers are. Not because alcohol is poisonous, but because the chemicals that are on the hops and mm. it's just like toxic shit. Yeah. You look at what Israel's doing. Yeah, they have a commercial. That we that the taxpayers pay Israel and then Israel... They buy commercial commercials with it. To garner sympathy. So if there's a sick. religion advertising during the Super Bowl that's trying to garner sympathy... Jesus. Is not good. Yeah, Jesus... The Christians. I just, it's just a sick, sad world. The gambling, all the gambling. Oh my God! Every I was just celebrity even, is we were walking through the yeah, fuck cele- fuck celebrities who do gambling. Fuck celebrities who do these uh, refinance your mortgage. Fuck celebrities who do uh, Pepsi commercials. I fuck them all. Fuck them all. I hate them all. They need to use celebrities to, to you know, to don't get trust them. Don't, don't trust them. But um. Even it was so interesting being at the mall yesterday and seeing these games for kids, which, you know, Joey loved it. You know, the claw, the claw game. game, the crane game, the crane game. But it's gambling because oh, yeah. you have to hit it so many times for it to actually engage, engage the, claw. the claw. Yeah. And uh, it's a gamble. It's we're very trained. We're getting trained very early on to be used to the, that kind of high. Oh, yeah. It, it just if it, it feels like uh, the final boss in in uh hyper predatory capitalism is the gambling monster it's it's the thing that you will willingly give your money to you're not going to be forced to they don't even they barely have to advertise they just have to suggest hey they have a dangling ps5 they have a ps5 in this fucking machine that like little kids are lining up to try to fucking claw it out of there and it's like you can't claw it out of there but the chance, but just the chance, and it gives it, it'll set off your dopamine, and it's just like that—that's what gambling is. It's willingly giving your money over to the already extremely wealthy. There is no way you'll never see a casino go out of business. You'll never see one of these sports books go out of business as long as they're allowed to do their thing unregulated. They will thrive, and uh, you know Disney's in the game now. You know, Disney just put a billion dollars into a betting site. ESPN bet or something. Yeah. And all these commercials come on and it's like Tom Brady telling you to bet and this person and like, oh, who, who's going to like they, they figured out the various segments of population 
and what celebrity appeals to them most and throw them in the thing and tell them to tell people to gamble, which is basically just saying, surrender your money, transfer it upward, Mm -hmm. voluntarily transfer your money upward. We're used to doing this with religion. And with it for a cheap high of some sparkly visuals. At least religion is is promising you... uh, Salvation. Salvation, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Totally. This is is like, hey, you might win. And there's so many forms of it. There's so many forms of it. And like there's there's more refined versions of it where it's like, I'm a a stock market person and this and that. Like, no, you're a gambling addict. You're a crypto bro. You're a gambling addict. You know, it's it's ridiculous. No one's gaming any systems. The systems are already fully rigged by the time they present themselves to the public. Yeah, so, what happened like, with GameStop is a perfect example of that. Yeah, watch that movie Dumb Money and, and see what happened to games, the GameStop thing. The people tried to say, oh, we know how to fucking figure out this stock from being shorted. If we all bond together and buy, in the, buy this stock, we're going to cost the billionaires billions. We're going to put hedge funds out of business. And the second they were on the verge of doing that, they just shut down the people's ability to do that. You know, the people united and tried to do something. And it was like, no, it's kind of like when Bernie almost won the goddamn Democratic nomination. And they were like, oh, we're on the we're on the eve of Super Tuesday where Bernie will lock this up. Let's have every uh, every Democratic nominee drop out at once besides Elizabeth Warren and just make sure that Bernie can't do, deliver health care to people i think it that's could... it that was his message health care well that would flip the system on its head um yeah so that's they can't let that happen yeah. but it just it's, it can make you hopeless but can it also just but it i think i teeter on being hopeless and dreading everything to like okay we just have to we have to build our own systems the reason I'm not hopeless is because if you and I can f- figure out these patterns and see what the thing is all about and divest from it, we're not that smart. That's true. We're not that smart. If we're picking up on this and we're able to speak to it and we're able to do something within our personal lives about it, that's actually extremely fulfilling in a much deeper way than all those pursuits. Other people are waking up. There's got to be a mass awakening happening if we're on it. We're not riding the crest of anything. There's got to be other people most people i would say have these inklings and it's just a matter of like is it time to put down the addiction the addiction to western culture and all of the stuff it's offering you for your salvation that is just false it's false false gods false managers false fucking dreams of getting rich why would you even want that like, that's the other thing is like, you know, like the, the, the gambling addict in us all wants what to hit the ultimate jackpot for what to isolate ourselves more, to not be in the fight anymore, to not be part of the working class anymore. You want to be a class trader. You, you want to get out of the thing. Get the fuck out of here. You need a hundred million dollar bunker in Hawaii. That's yeah. what you really need. We were watching a great um, movie the other night called Owning Mahoney. Starring Philip Seymour Hoffman from 2005. It's a it's about a gambling addict in Canada. It's a real story, and uh, this guy worked at a bank and he was able to like siphon like 10 million dollars from the bank to just go and play blackjack, and just like it's it's crazy. And he just kept saying he's not a gambling addict that he has financial problems. 
<laughs> he doesn't have a gambling problem. He has a financial problem. And there's a great line in there. Um, the, like the owner of the casino said, like, like he couldn't figure out like why this guy kept coming back there and losing it all and then showing back up and losing it all. And he said, he wants to win so he can keep losing. And I was like, there it is. That's 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 gambling in a nutshell. And it's not only gambling in a nutshell. It's like what our lives have been reduced to. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a form of acceptance that isn't giving in at all. You can still have your revolutionary spirit. You could still have a lot of fight in you. But accept that all of the stuff that people are running around and working for and trying to convince you to run around and work for has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with the journey that your particular soul is on. And uh, I think what we're saying, I don't know, it might be in one ear and out the other for people listening to this, but there's people that are hearing this that I think it, it could help because it helps me when I hear people like Alan Watts or Ram Dass or Robert Anton Wilson or whoever talk about this stuff. It helps me. It helps remind me of my own power. And that's all we're trying to do. And that's all we're trying to do in our films. We're trying to remind people like we are so goddamn interconnected that it would haunt you it would haunt you the the clairvoyant you are the mind reader you are the psychic you are it would haunt you if you could just settle down and tame that little puppy that is your ego and and slay all of those cultural narratives that you've been indoctrinated with for so long it would haunt you how powerful you are and i think that's what a lot of people are scared of is like, is like they know. They know somewhere deep down how powerful they are. They just don't know what to do about it. But there's tons of options. Make art. It's, it's the best way to put like coded messages out into for future people. That's what I feel like it's for. It's like this is for future generations to know that we've been through the same thing. Yeah. And just to keep reminding us we are each other. And it's not. And the, I feel like it's also like the answer isn't to not work and not i think the answer is to like work to find the divine in that (laughs) and and work in a way that actually contributes to society yeah you know and i I think we've gotten they want to tell us oh you you have to contribute to your own 401k um i'm not saying you shouldn't but i'm saying there is like this lack of contribution to a bigger whole yeah that we're doing even the 401k system is a form of like consensual mass hypnosis gambling addiction. Yeah, no, they got us all. We used to have pensions. Yeah, and then they moved it all to, it was very, very pointed. I saw that whole thing about moving. It was supposed to be a pension and then they added the 401k and then they did it and got rid of the pensions and made it like, oh, well, you all get a 401k, which is us all... It's a form of legal gambling that your yeah. company does with you. And they say, hey, the money that we were going to put into your pension, we're going to put into the stock market in a very risky, volatile markets. We're going to put it there. And well, the stock market loves that. Oh, obviously. yeah, of course. Of course, the stock market loves having untold trillions that, that the people can't control that companies do at its disposable. The, the stock market loves that. And it's a form of just, you know, collective gambling that we've said, all right, fine, we'll give up our pensions for um, the gamble that we could double it up. Like, that's not what work's about. That's not what hard work's about. Like, we gave, and, and that's my fear also with, um, with, uh, 
what's it called? Universal basic income. I think they will throw us that bone eventually, but at the cost of every other social safety net that we have. They're like, what? We give you $1,000 a month. I don't want to fucking hear about homelessness. I don't want to hear about starvation. I don't want to hear about lack of education. We give you $1,000 a month. Fuck off. I don't care about food stamps. I don't care. We're taking it all away. We give you $1,000 a month. And uh, that's why I never really trusted Andrew Yang because I think that's what he was all about. And he came from that world of hedge funds and technology and all that shit. He's on their behalf trying to sell us on basically the 401k thing of the future, which is, yeah, you're not going to have to work. We're going to give you a thousand dollars a month, but we don't want to hear about suffering anymore. We don't want to hear about any other social programs. We don't want to hear about taxing fucking rich people. Let's stop. (laughs) So yeah, it's going to be really hard to pay taxes this year. Like, it always is. It always is, but it just feels like very hard. When it's so loudly going towards supporting genocide, yeah, that's that's a tough but bridge now, to cross. I, I was someone was saying how now there are armed IRS agents. That makes sense. Makes sense, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that that's when you start to realize you're like, oh, the founding fathers did think ahead a little bit with the Second Amendment, you know. If there's going to be armed IRS and armed everything and the militarization of our police departments and criminalization of survival, well, at least I could have a gun. (laughs) At least I could off myself or try to protect my family a little bit more than I could before. I don't know. I don't think people need guns. I don't like them. I'd rather but I, I I'd rather would, die than have to have a gun personally. Like I just, I, you know, I just don't want to yeah. live in that world personally. Yeah, it's it's the symbol of America. It's it's the ultimate symbol of this country. And and guess what doesn't need advertising? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I I know I don't want one, but I understand why it's kind of built into our our inherent rights here, because they knew that they were ushering in a form, a big experiment in unfettered capitalism that could lead to this kind of thing. What, taxation without representation? Yeah, yeah. Right back to where we started? Absolutely, it's why we showed up here. (laughs) (laughs) Just to get away from that shit. Look at us now. (laughs) Look at us now. Multiple wars. Really, uh, you know, like we have a front row seat to what the what the the media hypnosis does, you know, because we we see it with my parents, what they're whatever they're up in arms about, usually is like one or two degrees away from World War Three, and they're convinced that's what it needs to, you know. Can you believe that China did this? Can you believe Russia did this? Can you believe Iran did this? And it's it's always like it's it's always can you believe? And it's like these four or five countries. Can you believe what we're doing? That's it's what, never that. It's never that. It's never that. It's never that. That's never the thing. And uh, and that's what we always bring it back to, which makes us seem crazy to them. But I'm like, what you're getting fed is crazy. You're being told to invest more of your sacred energy here into warmongering get the fuck out of here like when when does our critical thinking click in how many people need to die how many people need to die of opioids or have their lives ruined by gambling or kill themselves like before we're like oh whoa this isn't working how about the number one funder of healthcare being go fund me 
Like, yeah. I want my tax dollars to go towards healing and helping people so that, you know, it just like makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to go over to the Patreon and talk a little bit more shit? Sure. Get a little bit more personal and weird. Sure. Thanks for listening to this, if you still are. <laughs> <laughs> um, a great way to support us is patreon.com slash church of chill. It's $2 a month. You get um, all these podcasts have two parts. The first part's here, and the second part's on Patreon. And we have tons of radio shows on there, 180 of them at this point. I'm very proud of that. Um, and what else? I don't know. Discord oh, community. The Discord community. We talked a lot about community and connection. Uh, get connected with people. Um, yeah, if you want to, if you're into what we're saying and you want to uh, connect with some like-minded heads and ourselves, hop on Patreon.com/slash/ChurchChill and join the Discord community. And watch Family Trip and share it with a friend or with family or something. Yeah, please, please, uh, yeah, share Family Trip with somebody that you think uh, might need or enjoy it. Right. Definitely. Cool. Aho, amen, aight. Whoop, whoop, aye, aye, aye. Peace, love, and magic.